Hello, Graham Norton here on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose for another podcast. Let's get cracking, shall we? Chris Addison is here to tell us about the fourth vinyl series of Breeders. Andy McCluskey tells us all about the new album from Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark and playing at Lee Francis's Halloween Party here at Virgin Radio. Show Chef Martha has a recipe for the best ever lemon meringue pie. And Maria McCurlin is rustling through the letters you've sent in. We'll be solving two more of your dilemmas in Graham's Guide. Oh, here she is now. Oh, good morning. Can I see what a lovely jacket you are wearing? It's very, very autumnal. Thank you With very lovely much. orange trousers. Lovely. Can you tell me what sort of fabric it is? I can't quite make it out. What do you mean, fabric of wool? Oh, the jumper? Yeah. It's wool. It's a woolen thing. <gasps> It's lovely. Yeah. It's sort of pat- patchworky, and we were talking about crochet yesterday. Is there a sign of a crochet there? I'm not sure it's crochet, but I think probably very, very, very thick needles. I think it was, you know, proper kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, brush brush handle needles, and uh, yeah, brush handle needles. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm, very, I'm, very thick. I'm not a knitter myself. Uh, yeah, I should check in with Tom Daly and find out. But uh, yeah. yeah, you told me Madonna was a knitter yesterday, and stupidly, <laughs> Gullible has been taken out of the dictionary because I believed you. I'm an idiot. Oh, ow, I'm, it is what a difference a day makes. No plastic trousers in my life today. It's gorgeous. <laughs> Makes you sound like you're incontinent. Um, <laughs> yes, it's beautiful sunshine. The sun rise this morning was spectacular. It just makes such a difference. I saw it and it was gorgeous coming up over the sea. I don't suppose you, I think you were out last night, but I don't suppose you watched any of Strictly, Graham. I haven't seen it yet, but what I, I'll probably watch the results show and they give me a lovely recap at the top of the show. Do you know? <laughs> and I've saved three hours of my life. That is very true. I have to say, I think that the judges are sort of cracking down on them now. They're week five and they're getting quite picky. I mean, there were still a couple of tens last night. Our Angela was very good, I thought. I can't remember what the dance she was that did. And also um, Argentine Tango from Angela Rippon, who, you know, continues to amaze with her leg kicking and ability at nearly 80. And also, I really loved... Bobby, Brazier and Diane. Something about that boy makes my heart slightly melt. He's got to win. He's got to win. Well, I don't know, because, of course, Leighton, who is fabulous, um, is so good. But, you know, he started good and he'll end good. uh, Or, you know, maybe better. But with Bobby, we're seeing him learning how to dance. I think think Leighton will end up in the final for sure. But I think Bobby's going to get the votes. I think. Well, I think when once you get to the final, it's sort of they're all good, so it's a popularity contest. And I think he's he is very touching. Something about him just kind of connects with the viewer. So I'm loving him. I when I got home yesterday, Graham, it was so miserable, and so I took the dog out for a walk. Dog not very happy at all. La la la. Walk walk walk, and then comes back and treats my house. Can I say like a latrine? I am not sure quite what to do with him apart from send him back to whence he came, from whence he came. Um, because it's just eight months in now, and uh, my carpets, can he take it, Captain? Wringing <laughs> <laughs> them out. And it's funny how a little dog apparently is all bladder on the inside. <laughs> there's nothing else in there. It's just no. one big bladder. <laughs> and even when, even when there's nothing in it, he'll find something to squidge out. I suppose that's... That's boy dogs marking. Yeah, boy dogs but, are great for that. Just what you, oh. you kind of think, there must be just steam coming out now. No, no, here's some more. Yeah, I don't yeah, know how they do yeah. it. So but. I sprayed everything with the, you know, 
wee wee away, I think it's called on the on the tin. Um, and then I went out for lunch, and I didn't get back until Strictly Come Dancing. What a lovely afternoon when it was raining. Mm. Mm, lovely. I I've had, you know I've had lo- a local theatre weekend. That's what I've had. Uh, Have you now? Yes. On Friday, I went to the Bridge Theatre just downstairs here, and I saw oh, see guys and dolls. I saw guys and dolls, and fabulous it was. Really, really good. If anybody's going to see that, what a great night out. And it's then- immersive. I don't want to stand up. No, no, I didn't stand up. There was a poor woman who got very tired and she sat on the floor and they came over to her and said, no, actually, you've got a standing ticket. That's what you're going to do. And she pointed to some steps and kind of went, can I stand over there? And no, you've got to stand. That's what you're doing. You're standing. And then just as she was being very grumpy and thinking, I've got to stand, uh, they started singing, sit down, you're rocking the boat, <laughs> which, <laughs> which must have annoyed her quite a lot. And I then, mean, you know, you pay £900 for a ticket and then you have to stand up. <laughs> Well, it was her choice. I mean, she did know. And last night I saw such a special, special, special play. Uh, It's at the Wilton's Music Hall. I think it's only on for one more week. And it's my friend Richard Cant is in it. And it's called What It Means. And it's an extraordinary true story uh, about this man who was kind of basically kind of sort of the first, uh, one of the first people to to come out. He wrote an article for uh, New York Times magazine uh, about it. And it's kind of... What, What date are we talking now? I'm guessing the 50s, uh, maybe early 60s. I don't know. I should. Still illegal? Still illegal in America? Was it? I don't know. What do you want? Blood? I, I, you know, I, I I saw the play. It was really good. You're so good good on gay rights, Graham. You're really on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It was. I mean, I know in this country, it wasn't until 1967 that it was decriminalised. Oh, well done. Well done, you. Yeah. But I don't know about America. But you see, I'm not gay, and yet I know more about gay rights than you do. But, but, I, know, but I know I know how good the play was, because I was there. I saw yes, it. Yes, no, yeah. sorry. Yeah. You were begging to have... Is it a musical? No, it's a play play. <laughs> yes, it is a musical. There's a, a chorus line, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really Shush. good. No, it is not. <laughs> Sit down, you're rocking the boat. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a it's a, just a very good play. And in such a special, special venue, Wilton's Music Hall is just gorgeous. Anyway, you, young lovely? lady, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. need to yeah, gather yeah. some letters... Virgin Radio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. No. Um, oh, we've been talking about dancing. This is about dancing. The oh. first problem. Here we go. Dear Graham and Maria, I am in my late 50s. I used to dance as a hobby. I reached a point in my dancing where I started to teach dancing myself. But life's responsibilities took over and I stopped dancing to a semi-professional level. I continued as a hobby and I'm now quite happy to participate in a group led by a teacher, not me. Now, the teacher who is quite new to the group has ideas about a performance and has asked me to lead the dancers. Even though I am chuffed, I am also having second thoughts. The other dancers are so much younger than me and there is always pressure in performance to be fit and healthy on the day. To lead the other dancers, not to mention all the rehearsals one has to attend, etc. I feel I have been there, done that and got the t-shirt. I'm not sure I want to participate, let alone be the lead dancer. You see, this is part of a wider problem. I no longer want to stay out dancing until the early hours of the morning. I really just want to stay at home. But I feel dreadfully guilty and I feel that I should be getting the most out of life. And perhaps I'm not. Am I wrong in just wanting to do a little bit of dancing, go out when I feel like it and not feel guilty spending the weekend at home with the housework and watching the telly? 
What would you do in this situation? And that is from Nina in Ilford. Oh, Nina in Ilford. I mean, it must be lovely to be asked to be the lead dancer in your late 50s. And I'm sure that has given you a confidence boost. I think where you're losing the confidence is thinking, they're all much younger than me. I'm too old. I can't do it. You should be making the most out of life and, um, you know use it or lose it as they say and I think it's a lovely thing to do and I think it's just your confidence holding you back. I'm a little concerned though about why everyone stays out dancing until the early hours of the morning. I mean are you rehearsing for Strictly? This is too much. These should be dance classes that start at seven and end at eight. You go home, have a little bagel and go to bed. I mean I just think you need to have this conversation Nina in Ilford with the dance teacher who sounds lovely and has chosen you and just say I can't do the really late nights I mean I'm, I'm happy to lead when I can you can tell me what the dances you're doing late into the morning early into the morning and um, I'll attend when I can but I'm just not I mean I, don't, I think it's your confidence that's holding you back rather than your ability here but I do understand not wanting to be out past 10 o'clock you want to be tucked up in your pyjamas Graham what do you think? Well I think the dancing till the wee hours that's not rehearsal that's just kind of these kids in the dance class love dancing hey why let's hit a club come on Nina and uh, <laughs> Nina goes and you know Nina's in her late 50s, so she's buying the drinks, I imagine. And uh, so, yeah, great, good. Um, You know, she's got a giant handbag to dance around. It's all brilliant. But I think, Nina, what you need to ask yourself is... Because I, I totally get the thing that both are appealing. You know, being in the dance is appealing, but also, ooh, sitting at home watching telly. That is also very appealing. But I think you need to ask yourself, how will you feel sitting in the audience watching this performance? Will you be sitting there thinking, I've been a fool. I could be showing off now. I could be getting all the clapping and attention and I'd be so much better than these numpties who are doing it. So, uh, I, 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 and I think if you're honest with yourself, you will go, oh, I'll regret not doing it. I think, yeah. I think you'll regret not doing it. You won't regret doing it. And also, it's not like you're signing up I'm going to, I'm going to be dancing full time for the rest of my life. This is a, a limited amount of time and if if you sign up to this and then you hate it, okay, lesson learned, never do it again. But for now, uh, you're on the fence. So I think get off the fence on the side of being proactive and actually taking part and involving yourself and then you can you know, take yourself out of it uh, further down the line if you discover you don't like it. But I think you're going to regret not yeah. doing it more than regret doing it. That's my no, that's my I mean, gut. Nina, you say that all the others are younger and fitter. They haven't been asked to be the lead dancer, have They're they? useless, you Maria. Have. They are useless. Hopeless. <laughs> but I, all that's needed here, I think, Nina, because I do think you want to do it, and Graham is right, you'll feel awful if you watch this and think I should have been involved, is to talk to the t- teacher. There's some compromise needed here. You can say to her, these are the hours that I can give, but really, that's all. And I'm very happy to leave the dance if this is enough for you if it's not and you want somebody who's into the early hours of the morning then I'm <laughs> I'm not your person but uh, I think you're just Graham is right you're on the fence and everybody is shouting at their radio saying get off the fence do I mean, the yeah. dancing we just saw Madonna in concert she managed it so come on Nina you can do come this come on you can get do your this get dancing shoes on yeah pop a bask on you're fine you're absolutely fine get out, <laughs> out there but responses part one I nearly forgot what they were <laughs> 
the responses. My favourite responses today will be getting a bottle of Waitrose Chilean, Chilean Merlot. Mmm. Our blueprint wines are crafted to reflect the world's classic regions and styles. The grapes for this smooth and rich wine come from vineyards in the Rappel Valley, bringing notes of juicy blackberry and cassis, ideal with Mediterranean vegetable dishes or lamb or a straw. Uh, waitress Chilean Merlot. Well, Cheryl in Minehead uh, says, Nina, listen to Graham. He gave you beautiful and true advice. I was recently in a production of Calendar Girls, the musical, after being asked to do it. I felt similar to you, Nina. Graham's right. I would have regretted it if I'd not pushed ahead and taken part. The warm, lovely response I received from the audience was the tonic I needed. Go and dance, Nina. And, I mean, Nina doesn't even have to get her kid off. So, uh, you know, Cheryl in Minehead, there was a yeah, there was a lot. Yeah, you had to push forward and take part. Well done, you. Uh, Kirsty in Sunny Binfield. Get on and dance. In life, you never regret the things you don't do. In life, you... No, be pretty proactive. We have a long time to rest. Uh, lots of love. I think you mean we never regret the things we do. Yeah, we regret the things we don't do. Isn't that it? I think that's what you're trying to say, Kirsty. Anyway, Nina, if you're using the word should, then don't do it. I suspect you've spent most of your life doing things because you feel you should. This is your chance to find your voice to say no. Listen to your body, because it sounds to me like your body is saying it's a big fat no. That's from Rach in Starbridge. Rach says no. Dance no more. I mean, her body is still saying go to the classes. <laughs> She's still taking part in classes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, dancing is something that Nina does for fun. If taking on extra responsibility stops it being fun, she shouldn't do it. I found this out many years ago at my choir, and I'm now very happy just to turn up and sing. Let others do the heavy lifting. Hillary in Kilt Malcolm. Well, I agree with you, Hillary, but I don't think Nina will know that till she does it. You just do it once and kind of think, I regret it this, I didn't want to do it, I shouldn't have done it, I'm a fool, and then never do it again. And then you know. It's the not knowing, I think, is the bad thing. Uh, I kind of have to give uh, the Chile Chilean, Chilean Merlot from Whitrose to uh, Cheryl in Minehead, who agreed with me so forcefully. Graham's Guide. Dear Graham and Maria, I am a parent of two teenagers with my husband. Our oldest boy is really bright, but horrendously disorganised. He's quite often late for school, gets detention, and his teachers are worried that he won't reach his full potential. But he is still doing well. He is still doing well. My husband can be really hard on my son and is insistent that we punish him too, at home in some way. I sort of see that detention is his punishment though already and while we need to make sure we do our bit to enable him to succeed he's now 16 and needs to live with the consequences of his actions i just want him to be healthy and happy i don't want there to be such conflict at home particularly as he could be gone in a couple of years my husband says i don't back him up and he's sort of right because i think it's an overreaction how can i support my son while keeping the harmony at home and that is from Carol in Nottingham. Oh, Carol in Nottingham, now you don't want to be at loggerheads with your husband over discipline because that is not good and it all escalates and spills over into other things. Now, I would say you need to discuss with your husband, not in front of your child, ever in front of your child because he knows there's conflict and he knows he can play one of you off the other and 
play you like a Stradivarius. So you you just need to sit down and find out together with your husband before it escalates where you're going to go with this. I think you need to put support systems in place for your son because, you know, being disorganized is kind of a teenage thing. So you help him with his organizational skills. You help him with getting up in time. You help him with putting things away in his room so he can find his books, etc. And he's not running about the house in chaos because that's sometimes all it is. It's like getting drawers and systems organized in his rooms, getting his clothes organized. And he's got to keep on top of that. These are life skills, basically. It's not just for getting to school. This is for the future. Does he know how to load a washing machine? Does he know how to empty the dryer, etc.? Important stuff for a 16-year-old boy, along with cooking and being a nice person, as you say. So if you kind of put these in place and your husband knows they're in place and you say, if you don't sort this out, then there will be consequences. I don't know what you can do for a 16-year-old. What can you take away? Their Xbox, I'm not sure, probably too old. But if everybody is on the same page about this, he's getting the detentions at school, that's enough, then you can help him with that organization but really don't ever discuss it at home when it's a threesome one person saying this one person saying that it's just got to be this is how it is from now on you must take control of your life 16 year old boy graham what do you think yeah i mean i think that is the key isn't it this is a 16 year old so actually i i agree with carol this one of the life lessons he has to learn is about consequences and you know if you are just disorganizing late all the time then everything falls apart um and which, in a way, I sort of think, yes, you've got to help him. You've got to be a support. But you, you know, also, you don't want to be too supporting because then kind of you're kind of enabling. You're saying, oh, it's okay. You don't have to take responsibility for certain things. I'm, I'm doing it for you. I think Carol and the husband need to – you're right. They need to come up with some sort of game plan here, some sort of joint – uh, uh, sort of statement, mission statement. Yeah. And then they need to sit down with this kid and say, you're not really a kid, you're 16. You know, in two years, you're going to be 18. And then, you know, you're going to be making decisions, you're going to be out in the world. So we want you to start making decisions now. We want you to take a bit more responsibility for your own life. Because otherwise, if you, I think if you do too much discipline at home, and you, or you do too much helping at home, then they're a, a bit like a flightless bird when you kick them out of the nest, because they're just flopping around on the ground, kind of going, oh, how, how does this work? Uh, so I, it's, it's tricky. But I, I do think it must be the hardest thing in the world, I think, to be with someone and you disagree about how mm. to raise a child that must be so, so you've done pretty well carol to get this far um so don't don't mess it up and at the final the final hurdle so uh yeah hang in there it and- does seem grim it does seem to me that you know the teachers are worried he won't reach his full potential you know if he was organized and he was doing getting on to school on time and knowing where his things were and being in control of his life, then he he would be even better. I think if you can encourage him in that way, he's scraping through at the moment, he's still doing well. And sometimes what we do is we say, oh no, I, you know, I can blame that. I wasn't organized enough. That's why I failed my mocks or whatever, because I didn't get there on time or whatever. You have something to blame. So if you can take all that away and make him see that the responsibility for his life will help him in the future. And I'm not talking about school, I'm talking about jobs, etc. You do the best you can do. And that includes getting yourself organised so that 
everything falls into place. Yeah. So that he doesn't have an excuse for why he didn't do so well. And also, at 16, who is he? You know, he may have zero interest in academia or pursuing this. You know, what does he want to do? What What's what's his big, what's his big goal? Uh, because if this doesn't suit him, and, you know, and what you're saying is disorganised, is actually disinterested uh, then that's a different that's a different conversation to have so I yeah, yeah I, although I think, he's doing well I think if he was disinterested yeah. he wouldn't be doing so well anyway uh, listen we're not parents but loads of parents listen to this and uh, loads of 16 year olds probably out there too and again my favourite responder will be getting a bottle of the Waitrose Chilean Chilean Merlot a happy and healthy is the key so says uh, Sarah who's an advisory teacher so you know there you go During the teenage years, the brain is rewiring, so organisation skills can be difficult for teenagers. If he's had detention at school, punishment shouldn't be duplicated. You should discuss strategy skills. P.S. This is fascinating. The adult brain matures at 25. Now, who knew? Wow. There's people in this building who aren't mature yet. Some brains have not fully formed in this building. Quite close to me. Uh, Sam in Bristol. I had one of these. My ex and I divorced over parenting styles. He is now 19 at uni and thriving. Boys grow up slowly. At 16, you've done your job. His future is up to him. Show him you were there for him and love him. That is what he will remember in the end, not how he was coerced. I think dads always feel they have to do something. Good luck. It is tough. Stay strong. Uh, Mark at Butterfield in Wales. Go easy on your son, as it sounds like there is a chance he has ADHD and may not be able to help his behaviour and disorganisation. Our son was exactly the same. Very bright, but disorganised and chaotic at school. We got him diagnosed at 19. He now takes medication, which really helps him. Oh, wow. And uh, Jen says, I have a disorganised son. He's 29 now. And I tried supporting him with lateness at school to no avail. Let's face it, at 16, boys are in a world of their own. You can't change his personality and it's not worth falling out with your husband. Being over strict is never the answer. Good luck. Yes, being over strict is never the answer, but being strict enough <laughs> may be the answer. You just don't know. Uh, it's, oh, who will I give the wine to? I'm going to give the wine to Sarah because she's an advisory teacher. Why not? She's got an actual qualification. So, uh, yeah. So she gets the bottle of Chilean Merlot. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Here he is. Chris Addison. Breeders returns for its fourth and final season. So yeah. uh, there's three of you involved in this. Simon Blackwell, yeah. Martin Freeman and you. Yes. Now, you all created it. Yes. So how did that, I mean, did you sit down? Was there a lunch involved? <laughs> oh, there were many lunches. My goodness me. So many lunches. Uh, yeah, so what happened was Martin had um, Martin had a, a, a dream. And not the first Martin to have a dream, it must, it must be said. <laughs> and not the most important dream a Martin has ever had. But he had this, he literally had a dream about him walking upstairs to, uh, and his kids were making noise. And as he's walking upstairs, he knows that he's just going to scream at them. And uh, in the dream, he's going, don't do it, don't do it, don't scream. You can do this better and he opened the door and screamed and he said that sort of parenting for him he'd never he'd never seen that aspect of parenting on screen the bit where you disappoint yourself the whole time you're full of all this guilt and it's just very complicated so he came he had this he said i've never seen it on tv 
certainly not in a sitcom that realistic i'd love to do a show like that so we and, and he brought that to me and we we had a delicious lunch to discuss it and then we took it to simon who's a genius uh, and we had many delicious lunches following yeah. that but they were basically it was like having a it was honestly grim it was like it was like therapy. It was like having a sort of father's support group. We were saying things that we'd never expressed aloud even to ourselves, you know, like our deepest fears and... But it almost seems dangerous to me. Right. You're playing with fire. <laughs> don't, own, don't, don't say these things out loud. Yeah, yeah. No, you might be right. And actually, to be honest, like, so, so the response to it is really interesting because on the one hand, there are people who go, ah, oh, thank you, thank God, it's not just me. Thank you for saying those things. <laughs> and on the other hand, there are people who go, I cannot stand it. I can't bear it. How can, how can you show that? Like, I've got a really close friend of mine who goes, I love you. I cannot watch your programme. Like, until I've finished parenting, I will not watch that show. Wow. Yeah. I, it must be like me and Boiling Point. I work in restaurants. <laughs> I can't watch it. Yeah. It's too triggering. Yeah, it's yeah. too triggering. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is triggering for some people. So the three of you created, but now you give each other... T- so you are director, yeah. Martin Starr, Simon Writer. Yeah. But is it actually more... Are the lines more blurred than yeah, that? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, um, uh, I mean... Simon and I don't ever play the part of Paul, so that line is not blurred. <laughs> that is definitely just Martin. Um, but we, but we're all sort of we're we're all responsible for keeping the tone of the show in place. Not just us, by the way. There are tons of people involved in this because we have brilliant producers and sort of uh, uh, you know our our exec, our original producer Toby Welsh, who's a huge part of keeping that tone in place. And we have a, a writers' room as well, which is like. I mean, again, it's like therapy. There've been tears in that room, and not just not just HR issues, but yeah. you know, <laughs> bringing you know, um, bringing out uh, proper sort of traumas of parenting and putting them on on screen. So, are you and Simon dads? Are you and Simon dads as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, but Simon, like Simon's kids, are now like his eldest is in, is in his late twenties now, and uh, and my kids are. I've got one doing GCSEs and one doing A levels this year, so we're at that. So, and the show has always been about like the different stages of, of parenting. Was it, was it always going to be this kind of like whistle-stop tour yeah. of parenting? Yeah, so our original plan was we would do three seasons and it would be like three different stages. So we'd start with the kids at four and seven and then we'd move them on to sort of 10, 13 and then we'd move them on again, which is what we've done this time around. We sort of got stuck in the middle timeline for a while, which is partly because we, we ended with this cliffhanger uh, in season two and uh, where Luke punched his dad, but also because we discovered these little these kids right who could act and they could really act and we you don't know you just sort of don't know when you're casting children how good or otherwise they're going to be it's a really tricky one and then we had these two kids Alex and Eve who were so great and in particular we hadn't given Eve a lot to do so we thought let's we'll we'll stay in this timeline for a bit Um, and then yeah and then this year we've jumped on again to where we always planned to and how difficult is it to cast these because now oh, he's so 19, 18, 19, he's 18, 18. Yeah. Luke, Luke and Ava so they're now much older do you just go for the best actors or do you do you want it to be totally credible that- it, it's so hard you've got to it's got to be somewhere in the middle of those two things like they've got to be I mean you've got to find the best possible actors you can and you've just got to hope that they look they look right <laughs> so I mean there is a massive element of the look about it there are people who we went we can't see them uh, <laughs> uh, because they just it just would look impossible but um but we've been really, we've been really, really lucky to find these these people, and they're pretty amazing. You know, we've got Oscar Kennedy 
Ritchie, who's been acting so long that I think I'm pretty sure that he's got a picture of his scanning spotlight. He's been, you know, he's just <laughs> so tiny when he started. Uh, he's now in his sort of mid mid twenties uh, playing Luke, and and um, Zoe Athena, on the other hand, never worked uh, before. This is her first job, first time she was ever been on a set. Um, it's quite a remarkable performance. And it's supposed to be so hard for them to jump in because you guys have been, you know, working together and now they're the newbies. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and we really haze them and try and make it as difficult <laughs> as possible. <laughs> I've got some texts. Oh, yes. Yes, I have. Graham, I'm a huge Chris Addison fan. Here we That's go. nice. Yeah? That's who it is. Sarah and Leeds. Okay. Can you ask about the thick of it? Did you know it was going to be the thick it, of it? Yeah. yeah. I did know, yeah. Uh, interested to know if he feels if that show would ever return. Kind of feels like some of the storylines are a little too true uh, to modern political life today. And I guess that, and actually, I might as well keep going. Stuart and Leeds uh, also love your work. And and, uh, yeah, well, do you think they're married? <laughs> do you think they're in two rooms yeah, in the same house? Just texting. Oh, I just texted in! <laughs> Um, and he wants yes basically a year out from the general election is there a need for a special episode of the thick of it or is politics beyond parody these days it's that one isn't it politics is beyond parody these days the thing is like to Sarah's point I don't think I don't think the storylines of the thick of it weren't true, untrue at the time, right? They were very, very much the kinds of things that were actually happening. Um, but that was sort of the innocent days of 2012 and before. And, uh, you know, now it's crackers, isn't it? Because the, the, the whole satire of the thick of it, I suppose, is that in those days there was a facade of competence that politicians yeah. had, right? And the, the, and the satire of the thick of it is what's actually happening behind that facade of competence. But that facade <laughs> fell over. Nobody believes politicians to be competent currently, so there's not a lot to satirise. Yeah, it is sort of shocking how... And also that, you know, things... What fascinates me is the way that that things that would have brought down a government or particularly an individual politician now, nah, fine. It's amazing. It's the death of shame. That's what it is. Like, (laughs) nobody feels shame anymore. Somebody realised eventually that if you just go, I I don't care, there's literally nothing we can do about that. Yeah. It's it's sort of clever. (laughs) It is sort of clever and it's appalling and it's just across the board now. It's absolutely staggering. when you If you look at the current government, you go, shouldn't all of these people have resigned by now? But no, 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 apparently not. And in terms of yourself being a performer in that show and then uh, becoming a a director, how did that happen? Was it you? (laughs) Well, no, was it you going, going, I'd like to do something? Well, I won a competition. (laughs) Uh, Well, what happened was um, the very last series of The Thick of It happened at the same time as Armando was setting up Veep uh, in the States. And previously, he'd had directed all episodes, but he realised that he just didn't have the time to do all of this. And because The Thick of It was shot in such a weird, unconventional way, um, rather than bringing in a bunch of outside directors, he sort of decided to keep it in the family. And he knew that what I'd wanted to do before I went into stand-up was I'd wanted to be a theatre director. That's how I started. I did not know that. Yes, I did, yes, yes. And uh, and then ended up doing stand-up. He he went, why don't you come and have a go at this? Um, And so I directed an episode of that, just because, like, so Tony Roach, uh, one of our writers, Billy Snedden, um, one of our editors, Natalie Bailey, who's made a fantastic career, who, you know, been Armando's assistant assistant for years. We all directed episodes of it. And at the end of it, he said to me, um, 
do you want to come and do some Veep? And I went, let me think. Yes! <laughs> uh, so, yes, and it sort of went from there, really. And coming back home to direct Breeders, yeah. is it is it easier, is there a shorthand when you're working with a British crew and British actors uh, compared to Veep, where it's kind of a huge American operation? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely, like, you're, you're nimbler because there aren't so many people because we don't have as much money. Um, but also, there were definite sort of communication barriers with Veep. I can remember we used to... Um, because it was written when uh, when we the first four seasons of Veep when Armando was still in charge of it it was all written by Brits but they were trying to write in an American way in an American uh, language and uh, quite often I remember Julia Louis Dreyfus who played Selena Meyer would go uh, would point at a line and go this is a bit um, <laughs> and we go do you want it more <laughs> and, uh, and we'd have to sort of change so there were there were bits like that we got better at understanding what American sounded like as we get as we went on but yeah to begin with there was there was definitely a sort of just just an extra step of communication that you had to kind of overcome i think yeah and uh, you mentioned Julie Louise Dreyfus there, but we must also mention Daisy Haggard. Ah, oh, uh, great Daisy who, Haggard. I just love Daisy Haggard. She's, she's fantastic. She's truly, truly wonderful. It's an absolute thrill to me that she's just becoming this big star now. Because uh, Back to Life, which she wrote two seasons yeah. of which, I can't recommend that highly enough. It should I know, all be on yeah. iPlay. It's wonderful. She's about to be in this enormous drama boat story. It's coming out next month. That They basically, two brothers, uh, this, this drama company wrote for her effectively um i mean she is an immensely not only a brilliant brilliant actor but one of the be- the great humans yeah she's lovely isn't she oh my god yeah, 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 yeah. and if you just want to do anything anything at all just just promise her crisps and that's all that's all she wants she's obsessed <laughs> it's like working with a dog it is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sausages and cheese that's it all she needs oh look now she's driving a plane uh, chris addison uh, directs uh, breeders uh, breeders the fourth and final season returns to sky comedy on fridays at 10 o'clock and all episodes available to stream now on Now TV. Thank you so much for coming oh, in to see us, Chris. Thanks for having me. It was so lovely to see uh, you. Lovely to see you. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Still to come, Andy McCluskey from OMD will be telling us all about their new album, Bauhaus Staircase. But first, a sweet treat, I think. Martha, where are you? Happy yeah. Sunday to you. And to you. And all the better because we have something delicious and sweet and cloud-like. I mean, Even it's... Even no clouds. I mean... <laughs> I did look at that. So uh, tell the people what's on that trolley. Well, on the trolley today, we have a lemon meringue pie. And I feel like you, you know, you are an overachiever. I mean, that is ridiculous. Oh, it's the size of a you. mountain. Uh, you know, because they, they give me a, like a photograph of what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> yeah, the photograph looks rubbish compared to what oh, you've actually created. I've whisked the egg whites within an inch of their life to I mean, create a bit of volume. It, it's <laughs> like I always encourage people to go to our socials, but they really should today <laughs> to see... If somebody produced that at home, uh, guests would applaud. Ah, oh, there's this amazing restaurant in Covent Garden. I think it's in like the, the Big Mama Italian restaurant group where they do an Ital- uh, a lemon meringue pie for dessert. They don't have many desserts, but this is one of them that they do. And honestly, the meringue is like, it comes up to like a ruler, 30 centimetre yes. ruler. It's a, crazy. The corn was as high as an elephant's eye. So that was my inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> Not and quite so this, this is one of your uh, best ever... Uh, series of recipes. Yes, we did a lot of testing. And so how many, what are the variables in a lemon meringue pie? How different can they be? So you've obviously got the three components. We've got the pastry on the bottom, yep, you've got the yep. lemon filling in the base, yep, 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 yep. and then the meringue. Oh yeah. So there's a few different ways you can do pastry, but really for something like a lemon meringue pie, we've got so much sweetness and sharpness going on. You just want a classic 
slightly sweet but very buttery pastry so we've gone with that and then the lemon filling is kind of the level of citrus so some lemon meringue pies are very sweet the filling is sweet then the meringue is sweet and some people love that i wanted to try and balance it so the citrus filling is very tart so if you had that on its own you'd be a bit like oh okay that's very very sour but then you've got this huge pile of meringue on top so yeah. you need that to cut through and it's an italian meringue so you can have french meringue and italian meringue what's the difference uh, between them so uh, <laughs> french meringue is um just regular caster sugar it goes in without being heated um, just like you're making a pavlova and then you need to bake that in the oven so that adds another step i thought mm, gotta turn your oven on for that one this one is an Italian meringue, which means you make a hot sugar syrup and whisk it through your egg whites, which is slightly more complicated, but it adds to this really mallowy texture. And then you get to use your blowtorch if you've got one, which is really fun. I'm not sure how the rest of the show is going to go. I just had so much sugar. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I may, I may, I may crash and burn uh, before half past twelve. Uh, Martha's here telling us how to make the best uh, lemon meringue pie in the world. Uh, so uh, I guess we start with the pastry, do we? We do. We start with the pastry. Now, for the best homemade pastry, you want to use a food processor if you've got one. It's just perfect because bad pastry often comes from heat so either hot hands or just melting butter in your kitchen it means it will become a little bit tough and it'll be hard to work with so you want to keep everything super cold so using a food processor means that there's no heat touching any of the ingredients they just get pulsed together okay so we're literally putting our flour icing sugar in a blender or a food processor with butter pulse 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 until it's breadcrumbs then in goes one egg yolk save the white because that will be going you will be needing them yes a lot of them yeah <laughs> recipes always annoy me when they need yolks and whites in different quantities so i've made it a nice easy round number of eggs and whites required very good you're welcome so one yolk goes in the pastry save that white for later just put that into a bowl and add a little bit tablespoonful of water until the pastry comes together then stick that into the fridge then we're going to blind bake it so oven goes on roll out your pastry line your baking tin put your baking beans or some rice or some lentils inside the baking parchment and then 15 minutes with the paper in take it all out and then another 10 minutes to get that base nice and crispy gorgeous because pastry's not seeing the oven again so it needs to be fully cooked okay that stage. so you can have a little little tap make sure it's cooked all the way through Okay, so it never goes back in. Okay, doesn't go back in. So that so, comes out. Yeah. Uh, let that cool down. We're going to make our lemon filling. Mm-hmm. So you want four lemons. You want to take the zest off the outside because that's where loads of that lovely aromatic flavour is. Put that into a saucepan along with some corn flour, which is going to thicken up our sauce. Caster sugar. The secret ingredient here is yuzu juice. Say what now? I know, a little fancy one. So you find this in the cook's ingredients section with the other Japanese ingredients oh, in Waitrose. And it's just, it's, it tastes a little bit like grapefruit and lime, but very concentrated. So it adds a real kick, a real zing into lemon meringue pie, which just tastes really good. You could use a lime if you want to otherwise, but I think the yuzu just takes it to a, a different place. Yeah. So the yuzu goes in there and then four egg yolks again. Save your whites. Put them with that other lonely white. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. are going to be turned into a cloud <laughs> at the end of the recipe. Whisk that together over a very low heat until it starts to thicken. And then as soon as it's thickened and you can kind of see a trail in your whisk after about five minutes or so, take that off the heat, chuck in some unsalted butter and some double cream, whisk till nice and smooth, then pour into your case and stick it into the fridge until it's completely cold and set. Very good. And then when you're ready to serve, you don't want to make your meringue any more than about 15 minutes before you want to serve it. Because as soon as the meringue and the filling touch, it will start to kind of the sugars, the sugars meet. I don't know exactly what happens. 
happens, but it starts to weep. And we don't want a weepy pie. Oh, no, it's chemistry. Isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Chemistry. Yeah. So it will still taste great, but if you come to it the next day, for example, it will have a little kind of pool of sugar syrup on top. Which it, will, it will look upset. Nice. It will look upset. It would yeah, look yeah, upset. Yeah. And we want this in its full glory. Okay. So the final thing we're going to do is our Italian meringue. So we're taking some caster sugar into a small saucepan with some water. Boil that up until... Now you need a sugar thermometer for this, so I really encourage you. Now you tell us. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> if you don't want to get a sugar thermometer, you can do the French meringue method. There's plenty of recipes out there that you can just look up for the French meringue. But Italian meringue, you want to raise it to 118 degrees. Okay. Your egg whites that are in the other bowl, whisk them with a hand whisk until you get to the kind of stiff peaks where you can do the tippet over your head and it won't wiggle, wiggle out. <laughs> yeah, try that. <laughs> try that. It always works well. But it is a good test because it tells yeah, I bet you. it is a good test. It's just if it fails the test, where do you go from there? Oh, Steve. Ernie, it wasn't, it wasn't whisked enough. <laughs> now you've got loads of yolks left over. You're going to have to do it again. Um, so whisk it till it's nice and stiff. Then you pour in that hot syrup carefully around the outside. Whisk, whisk, whisk. It becomes this big, voluminous meringue. And then you spoon it over the top and then you can either blowtorch if you've got one of those or stick it under the grill. Keep a close eye. Boring grill. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody wants to put it under the grill. But if you have two needs must then you put it under the grill. But if you've got a blowtorch you can even do it at the table. It's so yeah. exciting. Oh I know. Do you put goggles on? <laughs> uh, I didn't put goggles on. <laughs> a little white coat. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you're ready to serve. Uh, well it is so impressive. If you want to see the full drama of how to make it uh, you go to our socials at Virgin Radio UK. Uh, you can see what it looks like there and if you want the recipe the full recipe and indeed all the Martha recipes just go to waitrose.com slash a show chef and you'll find out how to make that it really uh, you know uh, in bake-off parlance that is a showstopper oh, it really you. is it's just fantastic show has been stopped everyone the show sorry. has been stopped sorry about the final <laughs> half an hour <laughs> um, uh, have a lovely week and I'll see you next weekend see you next week take care Martha thank you very much the Graham Norton radio show with Waitrose food to feel good about Virgin Radio here comes my second guest of the day uh, co-founder of OMD Andy McCluskey joins us now hello Andy Hello, Graham. Nice to speak to you. How are you? I'm very well. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining us on a Sunday morning. Uh, exciting times for orchestral manoeuvres in the dark. Uh, first up in six years. Now, is was this a lockdown thing? You know it was, yeah. It was, uh, you know, started in March 2020. There was nothing to do. I felt like a teenager again. My mother was hogging the telly and I went to my bedroom to be to do some music or something. So, yeah, I just locked myself in my programming room and here we are now with a new album. But you songwrite all the time. It's such a mystery to me how songwriting happens. Do you know when you're writing an orchestral manoeuvres in the dark song as opposed to a song for someone else? Uh, well, Long gone are the days of me writing for anybody else now. It's just purely orchestral manoeuvres in the dark, which, which is good. So I can get my blinkers on and know exactly what I want to sound like. And uh, it's just um, the bottom line is you just you just keep churning them out. They're not all gold. Nine out of ten you throw back in the bin again. But as long as you keep trying, you get you get some good stuff as well. Yeah. And uh, and this album, is it sort of, you know, it comes out next Friday. Is this kind of, you know, classic orchestral manoeuvres in the dark? Or have you have you moved things? Have you twerked things? Have you changed things? We're fortunate enough to have fairly distinctive sounds, so I think we'd be we'd be silly to not 
not sound like ourselves. The trick is to not sound like a kind of sad pastiche of yourself, still put the energy and, and, and the good stuff in. It's I've been told it sounds more electronic than ever before, which is interesting for a band that's been a synth band all these years. Yeah. And, what, um, what have you done? It, it, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I got, some, I got some new synths in lockdown. Maybe that's it. New toys. Is that And is that kind of, is that your happy place as you go and you play with new synths and... Uh... <laughs> Do you know, it is when it is when you write something good. It's unbelievably frustrating when you write something and you come back the next day and go, well, that was a waste of a day. There's nothing good in there. So you have to keep doing it. But uh, no, we're very excited. And actually, we're already getting the reviews coming in, which are five-star reviews. So we've done something right, it seems. Fantastic. And, and you know, in terms of the songwriting process, what in this stage of your life, what are the things that are kind of inspiring you and sparking you to 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 write songs um i'm still interested in politics and art i mean bauhaus staircase comes from a painting from a chap who who used to teach at the bauhaus school of art um we have a song called kleptocracy where i'm having a pop at various narcissist politicians you don't need me to name the names you'll hear it in the song (laughs) (laughs) does that kind of make you nervous kind of putting your head above the parapet and kind of going right this is what i think uh, no, I think when you get to a certain age, you just think um, I'm, I'm tired of I'm tired of being diplomatic. You know, I'm just going to I'm going to be a grumpy old man and say what I think. Andy, uh, I've got a very sweet but sort of sad uh, text from a listener, Lorna in Glasgow. Uh, Lorna's partner Marion died unexpectedly last December, but they were both huge fans of the band, and they saw you live lots and lots of times. And Lorna's just saying, you know, Marion would be so excited about the new album, and just wants me to say hello to you and thank yourself and Paul for being part of the soundtrack of their life together and that is so sweet I'm so sorry to hear that Marion passed away but uh, I know that's really kind of Lorna to share that you know as a musician you don't often get a chance to kind of change the world in a big way but when you hear a story like that you realize that something you do is lodged in people's hearts and it's you're blessed to hear something like that so I'm sorry that Marion won't be able to come and see see us play with you, but hopefully we'll see you next year when we're up in Scotland. Yeah, and also, you know what's really lovely about that too is because it's a new album, so it's kind of new memories now for Lorna. So, yeah, it's lovely. Um, You say you're playing next year. This is the Bauhaus Staircase Tour. Yes, it is. Um, it's nice to have some new material to play. I mean, we do a lot of summer festivals where it's the retro festivals, you know, and it's all, all the usual suspects from the 80s playing together and having a party. So this will be nice to, to mix up some new stuff. We're not daft enough. We're not going to play the whole album. People not, need not be scared. We've got, we've got this problem. We've got to fit in 18 hit singles, you know. <laughs> uh, talking of playing live, uh, you are coming to the top of the tower. Yeah, can't wait. That's exciting. Halloween, we're, we're there. Yes. So, uh, 31st of October, it, which is a Tuesday night. If you don't know, I just checked it. I just looked it up. It's a Tuesday <laughs> night, the 31st. So, uh, Lee Francis uh, is hosting his own Halloween party with Ricky Wilson. And Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark will be performing live at the top of the tower. Uh, have you been up? You've been up here already, haven't you, Andy? Uh, yeah, I've done interviews before, but we've never played live, so uh, I'm, I'm really rather looking forward to it. Well, it's a, you, it's a gorgeous backdrop. It's just extraordinary, and it'll be, you know, the, all the lights of the city will be behind you. It'll be just gorgeous. If people would like to come, uh, you know, root out your best costume and head to virginradio.co.uk slash win, and you could be with a chance of being at the top of the tower to see orchestral manoeuvres in the dark, OK? But you've got to enter before 7 o'clock this Wednesday. 
Wednesday. That's the 25th of October. Okay, so enter before seven and you could be here on Tuesday watching the band and there's lots of fun going on. Lee Francis is here and Ricky and there'll be some games, a live DJ, scary delights. It'll be the night of your life and uh, you'll get to say hi to Andy McCluskey as well. Uh, Andy, good luck with uh, the Halloween party. Good luck with the album and uh, good luck with the tour. Hope it goes really well. Thank you very much. I do hope everybody's going to come in costume for the recording of the, the part of the show. That will be brilliant playing up there. It, it, it'll, be, it'll be a security uh, issue. They, they'll be downstairs. If they't not in costume, they'll be turned away. Don't you, don't you worry. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Great to speak to you. Thank you, Graham. All right, enjoy the rest of your weekend, Andy. Take care of yourself. Bye bye, bye bye. Thanks so much for listening today. You can catch me every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30 on Virgin Radio. Follow us on all our socials to keep up to date and make sure you check out our YouTube channel too. Just look up at Virgin Radio UK and you'll find loads of great interviews and live sessions. Until next time. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.